0: Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Let's get into the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 29, verses 15 through 18. I'm excited about this word. I feel like it's relevant for us. We're in this little mini-series right now called How to Live an Unstoppable Life. How to Live an Unstoppable Life. Now, when you read this with me and you see this, This is not about child-rearing today. Let me make that clear, very clear. This is not about disciplining your children today, but there are scriptures that pertain to that, but this is more about getting a deeper understanding on how to see momentum and live an unstoppable life. Are you ready for the Word of God? Okay, well, let's do this. Let's do this. To discipline a child produces wisdom. But a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. When the wicked are in authority, sin flourishes, but the godly will live to see their downfall. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace of mind. All the mamas say amen. And will make your heart glad. All the daddies say hoorah. When people do not accept, here it is. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Say it with me, run wild. I'm going to read you another translation. You're going to know that scripture. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. You have probably heard this scripture in this text, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 3. Nineteen in the King James says it like this: "Where there is no vision, the people perish." Everyone say "perish." But he that keepeth the law happy is he. We're going to break down the scripture and we're going to build on this thought today on the word "perish" and give a deeper understanding. I pray that God blesses you and that you just feel some some more unction and, and faith and courage to to face your world and to live a better life in Christ because that's our purpose. We want to bless you today. Will you bless the service right now? Well, if you're watching online, can you pray right now that God would anoint this moment and we're all going to agree together that we're going to hear from God and be encouraged. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you that in that majestic and holy and sovereign name that you've given us to hear the word, to release the word, to let your angels, Father, begin to minister to the people. And, God, we want to hear from you today, and we want to know the direction for our lives because your word matters to us. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Amen. You can be seated. Before you do that, give God one more hand clap. Come on. Come on. He's so worthy. I am... I really enjoy cycling. I just started cycling like five months ago, I think, or actually more than that, probably about eight months ago, probably, trying to cycle the first time I got on a bike. I I uh, broke spokes, more spokes than I could have. I think the spokes cost me more to repair than the whole bike did. But um, when I first tried to bike ride, I... I tried doing uh, three miles, and I was exhausted. I tried doing one mile, and when I was doing three miles, I thought I was somebody. I thought, man, this is great. This is wonderful. And so I met a guy who told me he does 25 miles a day. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how? Well, I thought in my mind, if he can do it, I can do it. But there was one problem. The problem was is that This guy shared his purpose and his reason for doing it. And I thought to myself, what's my purpose? What's my reason? I got to do it for something. And then the thought came to me, you're doing it for your family, first of all. Your oldest daughter just got married. Don't you want to be around for the grandkids? The church is growing and these young ministers are coming up. You got to keep up with them. You don't want to be the only one that's up there in the triple X. There's more reasons to that. So I started to find the moment and the reason for what I do. With that came a certain discipline into my life that is evolving and growing, and I thoroughly enjoy it now, but there's something deeper that drives me to do stuff. In fact, the truth is, is that there's a reason why you wake up every single morning to get your kids ready. Uh, there's a reason why husbands and wives get up every morning to prepare themselves to go to work. Something is driving them. There are people that are dependent on on your sacrifice and, and your discipline. See, that just, it's a discipline. There are certain disciplines that are naturally there in our life. Discipline is not a bad word. So I want to just, let's kill that elephant right now. And, I want you to repeat after me. You ready? Just repeat after me. Say discipline is not a bad word. Say discipline is my friend. <laughs> it's a word that produces certain feelings because it requires certain sacrifices and and the truth is is that without that things don't happen. When you look at this scripture And proverbs 29 and 18 where it says where there is no vision people perish that word perish comes from the hebrew word para p-a-r-a now i just kind of rolled my r to make it sound like i know hebrew but i actually that was in spanish so you know i don't know it but i do know the origin of the word by looking and thank god for bible tools and and research like concordances and And I looked it up, and I went there, and what that scripture actually is saying in the the word perish, what the writers put down there actually means uh, when there's no vision, people become undisciplined. When there's no vision, people have no lack. They have a lack of restraint. They have no leadership is what it's saying. No reason. They're loose. And I read you the portion of scripture that said... They run wild. So if you read that in its proper context, that scripture is actually saying when people don't know where they're going, they have no reason to be disciplined. That's what that scripture means. When there's no vision, the people perish, or they have no restraint, no reason for living. When there's no direction, there's no discipline. People don't know where they're going most Most of the time, because no one's been there to lead them. Everyone is a follower, but good followers, great followers become great leaders. When you've learned how to be a great follower and learn how to follow uh, just simple instruction and simple guidance and simple direction, then whoever's in that place of authority, the scripture says it in Proverbs, that like a father, uh, he becomes glad. Like a mother it's peace of mind. And and so we, you and I, uh, since Jesus saved us, have become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the scripture says um, that we can please God with our faith. And it takes faith to move forward. It takes faith in believing that that there's a better life and that there's something more and that God isn't finished with you and that, that he has a higher plan for you and a bigger plan. And You have to believe that in your heart because you have to believe that you were born for a reason. If you have breath and you can think and you're here and you can give your attention and focus, you have every opportunity to succeed in life if you can just follow. God is leading every single one of us. And that's why discipleship is one of our core values here at Riverside. Discipleship means that we're not trying to enforce a discipline on someone, but we're trying to give them opportunity to join us because we want everyone to know where they're going. So as a church leader, as a pastor, I know that we're all going to heaven together. I know the vision where we're going at the end of the day. But it's not to get to heaven just by ourselves. It's to get our whole family and friends to go with us. Therefore, my decision-making ability is very easy. It becomes easier. The reason why most people have a hard time making decisions is because they have no clear direction and they have so many options and they're confused. But for the believer, everything should be narrowed down to simple decisions that boil down to, will this keep me in the will of God for my life? Will this outcome be beneficial to my family and lead them in the right path or the right place? So when you find your reason, when you see the vision then you have the ability to concoct or muster up discipline. It's easier for you, much easier for you when you have a goal, when you have a vision, when you have a reason for living. I want to tell you something really quick. I feel like someone needs to hear this, that you have a reason for living. You have a huge reason for living. There are people that see you and find your value and you're important to them. You have an opportunity to to help somebody, influence somebody, and it doesn't take a genius, and it doesn't take a multitude of degrees to do this. It takes a willingness to follow after God, a willingness to do that. But unless you see your value, unless we can really look at ourselves and say, you know what? I may not be able to do what. That person does, but I can do something better because they can't do what I do and I can't do what they do, but that's okay. The worst place to be in in life is comparing yourself with other people. We all have different parenting skills. We all have different relational skills. We all have different personalities. But when you find yours and you learn to accept it, it doesn't matter if you're good at cleaning. It doesn't matter if you're good at building. It doesn't matter if you're a good mechanic. It doesn't matter if you're good, uh, just a good listener. Whatever you are good at, if you'll accept your strength, just because someone else does something that you feel like is more relevant does not mean it's more important because everything In this world, as everybody in this world is important to God, and God has a purpose for you, you just need to believe in yourself. you got to believe in yourself. I've accepted my, my weaknesses in my life. I know my weakness. I know what I'm not good at. I couldn't build a house. I could try to build a house. It won't look very good, but I'm not, you know, you don't want me building the church. That's all I'm saying. You don't want me to do it. I I've accepted the fact. I talked about this last week as well. Um, that I I think I can sing. My daughters tell me differently. My wife thinks she can sing. Oh. <laughs> I tell her differently. Oh come on. That's my baby. We've been married for 25 years. We can joke like that. Now listen, you better thank God for the people in your life that tell you the truth. That's why the scripture says faithful are the wounds of a friend because they tell you the truth. If you don't have somebody in your life that says, hey, I know you mean well, but that's not your thing. (laughs) It's not your thing. It's okay. But I know what my thing is. Well, you know, I know what my wife's thing is. You know, I know what my kids' purpose is. The value of a parent knowing the gifts of their children, the value of a leader knowing those that he is serving over, the value of a boss or anyone in leadership that can see those strong points and every person is in a position to change the world. They're in a position to influence and to help those that are following them find their destiny and therefore make an impact in the world. That's what Jesus did. The scripture says that those 12, save one Judas, but that was replaced. But those 12, they followed Christ. And the scripture says that when he departed, he didn't have to be there, but he gave his spirit. But they went on to preach the gospel. And the scripture says that they turned the world upside down. Why? Well, because... First of all, they knew who they were, and they knew who Jesus was, but they knew their assignment. He said to them, go out into all the world. A clear vision brings discipline, and they saw Jesus in prayer, in fasting, in certain disciplines in his life. He honed his skills. He knew. I don't think he was very eloquent in his speech. I just think when he opened his mouth, it was anointed. Because he spent time with the father, but he didn't focus on being somebody else. You see, when he came across other men, he told them, hey, you're a fisherman, but listen, follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. Different trade, same concept, but different trade. He said, I can't catch a fish, although when he stepped into the boat, they caught more fish than they could handle when he stepped in. That was favor. But whenever they stepped into the boat with Jesus, Jesus was the one who became the captain of their salvation, taught them how to excel in life, but he gave them clear direction first. Clear direction. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 says it like this. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision down and make it plain. That he may what? Run. Run who reads it this is a prophetic unction in word it was clear direction last week we talked about walking with God but there are times you have to run with God walking with God is your daily devotion walking with God is one day at a time and being consistent in the small things but I I I pondered and wondered, what is it like to run with God? And, and this is what I felt the definition of running with God means. Because your consistency is a daily routine, but there are times in your life when the pressure is on. There are times in your life where there are stressful moments. There are times in your life when you need a breakthrough. There are times when you need to get to the next level. That's when you begin To just go wide open and run. This is when you fast. This is when you put in overtime in prayer. This is when you press on in. And when you press on in, God just blesses you and presses on out. And God begins to bless around you at another whole level. Because you've learned the art of walking and then running. But you can't run if you don't know where you're running to. You can't do it. We can't do it. You don't know where to exhaust your energy or put it if you don't know your destiny. So point number one, you got to ask yourself, do you know your destiny? Do you know your reason for living? Do you know the reason why you're even at church today? Is church just a place to come to, to bring peace to the family, to just keep your your marriage strong? Or is it a place so you can feel at peace and soothe your conscience? Or is church a place to receive an assignment and to get refreshed, to continue to do the will of God in your life? Define it. Understand it. Why you do the things that you do. All leaders must know where you're going. All the dads, raise your hand if you're a dad. Raise your hand if you're a mom. Keep them up high. Raise your hand if you're the boss at work. Raise your hand if you own the job. Keep them raised. Everybody keep their hands raised. Raise, keep them raised. Uh, Raise your hand if you're the only one really living for God, if you know what I'm talking about. Raise your hand if you have a friend that looks up to you. Raise your hand if you know that if you don't live for God, somebody else in your family probably won't. You see, everybody should have their hands raised and know that you're a leader, a person of influence, a person that's going to affect somebody. There are people depending on your walk with God. There are people that need you at sometimes to be able to run with God, but you need a clear, a clear evaluation, a clear assignment to know who you are. Number one, you are a child of God. Number two, you are meant to bring other people into the family of God. You have brothers and sisters in Christ. And what draws people to you, are you ready? Now we're fixing to get into it. What really draws people to you is the discipline that you have in your life that enables God to be there. Your prayer life. They see something in your life that's different. They they see the peace of God when there's trouble. They see the calmness that you have. They see that you didn't respond out of emotion or out of anger. They see something different about you. But every attribute that you have that's good came from disciplined habits. It's come because you were driven. You're here in church, that's a discipline. But you're here, and when you leave here, you're going to feel different. You're going to be stronger. You're going to have the the, the, the residue of the Spirit of God that was accumulated during worship. How many of you felt the Spirit of God during worship? You know, that wasn't just wasted. That was poured into you, and that was building up inside of you, and that was shifting your spirit and strengthening your spirit. Man, and, and church is important, but, but the reason why we follow people is because of certain disciplines. I don't know if you like them or not, but I'm going to throw them up there. Check out this guy. Now, whether you like him or not, I don't care. But the fact remains is that he found his purpose, and he honed it out, worked it out, and became good at it. Now, this isn't a debate to find out who the goat is. All right. But this is the point. I bet you that guy couldn't build a house. I bet you that guy probably couldn't even fix his own car. Bet you that guy, I don't, I, I don't know all his gifts and trades except what I saw in the documentary. But I just know that I guarantee you he has certain people in his life that he pays to take care of things for him. But the one thing he is good at is that right there, was good at, still is probably. Okay, he still is. Okay. But I want you to notice something. Look at those feet. Look at those shoes. There are people that actually think because they buy a pair of Air Jordans they can play just like Mike. You want to know why? You saw the documentary. You know that Nike was a nobody until they sponsored this guy, and this guy started doing well because he showed up to practice before everyone stayed after practice. After they all left, and had days when they were off in the off season, he went and kept on practicing. So they bought him, or they spon- they had him sponsored. They sponsored him because of his discipline. They. Sponsored him, and because of his discipline in his area, he took Nike to a whole other level. Whether you like Nike or not is irrelevant. The point is, discipline works. But he found what he was good at. But here you and I come. We buy the shoes. We show up on the court and double dribble. Foul somebody. Somebody. Airball. Don't act like you're all that. Airball. My point is, you can't buy discipline. It is something you have to be willing to do because you believe in why you were made. Who would have ever thought? You see, when I was being raised in church as a new Christian, I, I... I was, I think, still around a lot of folks that had that old school mentality where, where I don't know if any of you grew up in, in a church like this, but it was like if you played sports, it's of the devil. Or if you went to college, you're going to get brainwashed. Your whole goal in life is to do nothing except live for God, and that's it. Go to church, read your Bible. You don't need to read any other books. Just read the Bible, and that's it. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? You want to know what happened? Would you like to know what happened that hurt our generation? Why? Because while we were scared to get tainted by the world and not stepping out there, fulfilling the callings that we had, other people begin to educate themselves. Now they're in government offices, and there are some Christians that are there too, but now they are now become the influencers in the world because they found their calling because religion has a way of putting fear in you and making you think that why would God ever make me good at one thing and want to bless me with being able to play a certain sport? God can't use sports, really. Well, try telling that to Tim Tebow who just sponsored us to do a night for shine not too long ago. Who's fixing to sponsor us again to do a virtual night to shine, if I'm right. And I bet you wouldn't make a big deal, would you say, if he blessed you and paid off your house. I'm just saying, would you say it was the devil? Or would you say, God blessed me? God blessed him to bless me. Why? Because the dude know knew how to handle leather. The guy knew how to handle a football. This guy he's gone now, (laughs) a basketball. What's my point? When you're clear on what you're good at, don't compare it with anybody else. Hone it, focus on it, let God better you at it. If your thing is cleaning, then be the best detailed individual you can be, and let watch God excel you in that area. If you're just there to be a good listener, then be all ears and ask God to give you an understanding heart, to be able to be com- uh, uh, empathetic and sympathetic and compassionate towards people. And I promise you, whatever your gift is, whenever you see it clearly, you need to embrace it, accept it, and say, I'm good with that. That's the way God. God made me, but I'm going to be the best that there is in my field. Somebody say, I am who I am, and that's it. God made me the way I am because he had an assignment for me. That's all I'm saying to you. God has an assignment for me. See, God may not have called you to the NBA, but he may have called you to get an MBA. Don't get them confused. Don't get them confused because... Our own imagination can mislead us. That's why it takes somebody in your life that can look at you straight in the face and say, sorry, mijo, it's, it's not your thing. <laughs> sorry, son, that's just, that, your, your brother's good at that, but you here's what you're good at. It's like the farmer who went out to the field one day, and he was praying, loved God with all his heart. The farmer went out and You've heard the story. He looked up at the sky while he was out in the fields and he saw the clouds form PC. And he said, God's called me to preach Christ to the world. PC, preach Christ. And he was so zealous, so excited, so passionate about it. Sold everything he had, all of his equipment and he sold his property and nailed it down to where his house was at and just lived out of there, and he started going church to church, and he started to get, try to get invitations to preach and to do this, and he traveled around the nation. He tried doing it, but never was able to find that connection, the network, or try that opportunity, and he tried it sometimes, but he failed, and he found out he wasn't as eloquent as he thought he was, and after he re- just depleted all his resources and all his finances he finally went back and talked to a pastor and he told the pastor who was a great listener and said i'm lost i could have swore god told me to preach christ and i did it and it's not working out i don't see the hand of god i don't see the favor of god i don't see anything there and I'm not prospering in this area. He said, well, tell me what happened. He told him the story, how he looked up and saw a PC and PC, and, and, and the pastor said, son, God didn't tell you to preach Christ. He told you to plant corn. That's what you're good at. God was giving you direction for the season. You understand what I'm talking about. Everyone has a different calling. But unless you aren't being uh, mesmerized by your own fantasy and you have a reality check of who you really are, be proud of it. Be happy about it. Be confident in that. You don't have to be the life of the party, but maybe they may need you to fund the party. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I'm telling you that When you realize who you really are, then things will really change. I have much more to say, but I want to get into a personal story right now. I want to share this with you. How many of you were here uh, when Pastor Caleb talked about our family at one point thought that we were done in Victoria being pastors? Raise your hand if you heard him talk about that. For those of you who hadn't heard that, I want to share this story with you. This is a personal story. But it's very relevant. We started this church with four people in our living room, and we had given a ministers opportunities, and we've given this platform open to help others develop and to learn. And, and over over time, you know, things happen and 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 people come and people go. But from the perspective of a pastor, If you really are called to pastor, then you have a heart to love people regardless of who they are, how long they're with you, or whatever they're called to be. You love them because God gives you that inherited love for people. And you may not be able to change and be with everyone at once, but there's a way that God will use you to bless them. So you pray for them. Well, my family and I, after years, we... We just felt things that occurred, and we were just hurt. We went through a season of just dryness, and things were just, we were hurt by people, and, 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 and just disappointed with the results. And all of my kids, all of us, were feeling the weight of it. And I tried to do my best to come up, and, and I couldn't figure it out. And, and then during that time, during that time, I, I owned and still own it, a marketing agency. So I started putting all my effort in that and say to myself, I said to myself, I'm a better businessman than I am a pastor. And so I went and we started making six figures in the business. I started partnering with millionaires around the nation that own dealerships. And we're handling all of their marketing with high marketing spend and we're on our way to making about two hundred thousand dollars a year and it was growing my, my kids were finally getting paid i thought this is what we're going to do this has to be what we're going to do this is where i see it we're on our way to making our first million none of y'all know this we didn't flaunt it we didn't do anything we took care of business while being hurt at the same time because you love people. I had a lot of things that I had to let God deal with. But God dealt with me and my kids, and I had to call my pastor. Thank God for pastors in your life. I have, a pa- I have three men in my life that I call pastor that are they check on me. I, I, I stay connected with them. I don't, I don't depend on them to keep me in check. I depend on myself to keep them updated. See, if that's the key to being a good father is also being a good son. And being a good leader is being a good follower and being accountable. So, I called my pastor and I said, Pastor, this is, can you come and visit with us? We all met, went to rented a little beach house for the, for the for the for the weekend and. I called my pastor to meet me there, and we all sat down in the living room together, me and my kids, and we started crying. Don't know what to do. Finances are low. No one's giving. People have left. We've loved. We've done everything. We've prayed. We've served. Maybe God's done with us here. We need to move on. Maybe I just need to be a businessman because I know how to make money. And he looked at me straight in the eye. He was a friend. Thank God for good friends. He looked at me straight in the eye and told me, you are called to be a pastor. And if you're going to do it, you're going to have to give 110% with no reservations and do it with a smile. And if God, and after that, because I felt like we had reservation. The reservation we had in our life prior to that was is that we had hurt, and we never forgave. And we were blinded, and we were discouraged. But we all agreed, and we prayed together. And I remember that day when my kids and us, we were standing together, and we were crying together, and we determined as a family that we're going to go back home We're going to give it everything we've got. And I made one of the most, the hardest phone calls I could ever make in my life. I called my business partners and those that we were serving and told them I had to walk away. You try walking away from six figures right away after you worked so hard to get it, after you worked so hard to get that, your reputation as a business. But I called the men and told them I know this doesn't sound, this sounds crazy. But you can have my share. I've been called to pastor. This isn't for me. I was so unhappy. But the moment I decided I'm not going to compare myself, and and I said, God, you're going to meet my needs, you're going to take care of me and my family. That's when God started opening up doors. That's when we started to believe God, to move forward. See, And we started to say it's time for us to buy property. And we did. And God met us and he paid for everything. That's when God moved on people and they gave us a hot rod to raffle off just to contribute to some things that we're doing. That's when all of you started showing up. That's when all of you started saying, there's something about that church. We can feel the anointing in that house. We can feel the purpose in that house. Let me tell you why. The reason why is because somebody has to decide to follow after Jesus and do what he says and completely accept their calling in their life. You have to accept where you're at, who you are. Now my wife has made more connections with ladies in this church and and people around the community. I have been able to connect with my children in a stronger, another level, and they're the ones that are leading all of you and organizing everything and doing things. God couldn't bless us before because things weren't right. But now God has begun to bless us because our hearts are in it 110%, and there are no other options there are no other options there is nothing there in reservation everything we do now it's for the kingdom of God I still have the business it's not what it was but that's okay but God our hearts are so at peace with God I got two broken down vehicles for my kids at the house but guess what God's gonna provide for those too I got bills I gotta pay but guess what God's gonna take care of that too I got a, we have a building we have to build, but guess what? Like he paid for the property, he's gonna pay for the building also, and it's gonna come to pass. I'm telling you, you can't go wrong when you find your lane and you apply discipline in your life to get on track with God. What are you called to do? You're called with an assignment. To build the kingdom of God and see souls saved. i am got to give you my last point, and I'm done. Come on, Haley. Point number two is this, and this is the last thing. I'm five minutes over. Distracted people can be stopped. We're talking about being unstoppable, but distracted people can be Stopped. I just laid my life out there. I just became vulnerable to you. There is no hypocrisy here. This is a very safe place. This is a place where you can be transparent with God and you can begin to tell him everything so God can remove the distractions from your life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this moment with, with Mary and Martha. distracted people can be stopped. So Jesus walked in. Jesus walked in, and he was there for the dinner. And, and Martha looked at Mary. You know the story, right, Mary and Martha? How many of you know the story? Raise your hands. You understand what I'm about to tell you what happened. Martha was upset, and she went to Jesus and said, Jesus, don't you care that, I'm, that Mary's not helping me? And Mary, you know, just sitting there listening to you. And Martha had started cooking and started serving. And Jesus rebuked her in a sense and said, Martha, you're distracted by many things. You can throw the scripture up there, Luke chapter 10, verse 39 and 42. Listen to what he said. You're worried. You're troubled about many things. Here's what happened. Mary assumed she knew what Jesus wanted, and Martha assumed she knew what Jesus wanted, so Martha thought Jesus was hungry, but he wasn't. And Mary sat down to see what he wanted. That's what the difference was. One thought she knew what God wanted, the other one waited to see what he wanted. And the scripture says that when you learn to wait on Him, He'll give you clear direction and tells you what you need to know and what He wants for your life. God would rather us wait to learn how to walk. God would rather us take time to allow Him to search our hearts to get clear direction. Instead of jumping the gun, getting ahead of God not allowing him to give us purpose and reason. Life moves at the speed of relationships. and, And the people that I see now that God has connected us with, this church has begun to grow. Not everyone is here. But the church has had so many new people come in. So many new families. People getting connected. Momentum being built. God's favor on our life. And God is going to use some of you to help us build a great church in the future. That's not centered around a certain ministry, but it's built by many people surrounded by a great God who gave people purpose and a reason for living. I have found the, 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 the greatest joy in my life is seeing other people's purposes fulfilled And I learned that what I make happen for others, God will make happen for me. So I close with this right here and this thought just to give you for the day. And here's what I want you to remember. Your purpose is to help others find their purpose. And when you have learned how to be a leader, and you have learned how to become an extension of God, nothing and no one can stop you from your assignment your purpose for living is to influence and help other people find their purpose that's why you're here it's all about people and you'll be more satisfied, you'll be more content you'll feel at peace you'll, you'll feel fulfilled in your life you will begin to see your purpose and, and no matter what it is no matter what it might be that one thing that you're good at, develop it. That one thing that you're good at, put your energy into it. Put your mind into it. Put your heart into it and pray about it. Include God in it and God will anoint you and God will bless you and God will make a way for you and God will see you influence other people and you'll see God influence others as well. You're going to see it come to pass. And your life will be unstoppable. You may get distracted, but God will remove the distractions from your life. You may feel like there's a delay, but a delay is not a denial. It's God giving you better direction for your life. If God says no, that just simply means God has a better way for you. Somebody shout amen. Come on, stand to your feet here.